Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. Last week we looked at two letters that Paul wrote to the same church, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And for the next two weeks we're going to be looking at uh, two more letters written to the same church, but a different one, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. They were both written to the church in Corinth, but they're a lot longer, so we got to give them both their own week. And Paul was actually in Corinth whenever he wrote the letter to the Thessalonians, and he spent about a year and a half there, so he had a pretty decent ministry. And uh, Corinth was... I mean, it's one of those cities where maybe you visit every now and then, but not a lot of people would want to live there. Uh, it, was, it was a land of opportunity, uh, religious opportunity. One traveler said just in a walk through the city, he found at least 26 different religious sacred sites. So if you wanted to worship this God or that, that God or, or this goddess, you could just find whatever you wanted. A financial opportunity. It was a newer city. So there wasn't a lot of old families ruling everything and sexual opportunity, to be honest. It was uh, in the ancient world, they, they made up a word called to Corinthianize, and it meant to commit sexual fornication. Matter of fact, one, uh, one writer said that not every man can afford the trip to Corinth. And he's referring to their flourishing and somewhat expensive sex industry. Uh, somebody once said, if you take Vegas and New York and L.A. and mash them up into one, you get Corinth. So that's the city that we're talking about. And the church was kind of a hot mess, too. Uh, they had, uh, they, they had uh, people getting drunk at communion. They had um, one guy was actually in a sexual relationship with his stepmom. And not only was this happening, but they looked at that and they, did, they weren't ashamed of it. They were like, well, this means we're spiritual and sophisticated. So they were a mess. And Paul hears about this from two sources. Uh, he gets a letter from the church saying, hey, will you help us deal with just a list of issues? And then he gets a report from one of the groups of people that he knew that said, hey, here's kind of what's going on. And so he wrote this letter, 1 Corinthians, to address these various issues. And really the whole letter revolves around one thing, how to be God's holy people in a world that doesn't have a whole lot of interest in God. Sound familiar? And so in a way, 1 Corinthians is very relevant to our world because we find ourselves in a similar situation. And Paul's point pretty consistently through the whole thing is be holy, which means be separate, be different. You don't follow the same rules as the people who you know in the world. So you're not expected to live the same way. And you probably ought to expect that sometimes people are going to look at you and say, you're kind of weird. And so Paul's very clear about you separate from the darkest darkness, not so that you can feel good about yourself, but so that you can bring light back to that darkness. You're not leaving the world. You're just living differently within it. And so that's what 1 Corinthians is all about. So uh, lean in and listen as we talk about surrendering to the change by separating together so that we might advance God's kingdom in our world. What's up, guys? All right, so uh, some of you apparently know me, and uh, some of you may not. So I am Nathan Holstein. I teach at Web City Junior High. Uh, I'm probably more known there for my fact that I coach, and um, I will say this, okay? So I'm going to look at you guys as one of my teams, okay? You're going to be on Team God tonight. So let me explain some. Since I'm coaching tonight, here's what's going to happen. I'll tell you the same rules I tell every team I've ever coached. When I talk, you listen. 
When I talk, you look. And when I talk, you don't. Make sense? I like it. Okay, so anyway, um, some more about me, other than the fact that I just coach. I do way more than that. But um, something you need to know about me is that I, I am a storyteller. Okay, I love to tell stories. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do in life. So I figured if I'm going to be speaking to a big group of guys, I might as well tell them a story to start this off. And I'm going to tell you a story about compromise. Okay, so um, when I was about your age, I had a friend named Shandon, and Shandon and I were very, very good, uh, good friends. But we were different from each other completely. Um, he was a basketball player, and I was a wrestler. He was a good basketball player. Let me rephrase that. I played basketball for one year, and I led the team in steals and missed shots, okay? So that kind of shows you where my basketball skills were. But he was really good, and I wasn't, and I was, I was pretty decent at wrestling. So he was over at my house, and we wanted to play two totally different things. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a compromise. Why don't you wrestle with me for 30 minutes, and then I'll play basketball with you for 30 minutes, Sounded fair enough, so we decided to go ahead and go on this deal. But the problem was that neither one of us were real educational beacons of light, okay? We didn't really have a, an idea of how to tell time that well, so we didn't really want to try. So what we decided to do what every kid would do, which is take the microwave and put 30 minutes on it and hit start. So we put 30 minutes on the microwave, and we wrestle in the living room until it's ding, timer goes off. Hey, cool, let's go play basketball. So we go outside to play basketball. Now, my mom wasn't home, okay? She had left to go to the store. And so we're outside shooting hoops. My mom pulls up, happy to see the house is intact. And she comes in. She says, hey, you guys have fun? Yeah, mom, we're just shooting some hoops. And she goes inside. And about 30 seconds later, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was that, that level of tone that your mom hits when she says all three of your names at the top of her lungs. And I look at Shandon, and he looks at me, and I said, let's go inside. He goes, she just called you. I said, I know, but you heard her. And if you come with me, she won't kill me if there's a witness. So I walk inside. And Shandon, right behind me, my mom looks me in the eyes and says, did you use the microwave? And I thought about it. My mom gave me three rules before I left. She said, one, don't use the stove. Well, for obvious reasons. And then two, she said, don't leave the yard. I said, okay, well, I didn't leave the yard, didn't use the stove. And three was, do whatever Shandon wants to because he's your guest. Well, that one's not real important. We made a compromise, right? She goes, did you use the microwave? I said, yeah. She goes, open the microwave. Now, we had a 1975 edition of a microwave. So I opened this sucker up, and the interior is folded like a taco. Because apparently, when you put it for 30 minutes and you don't put anything in there, it decides to cook itself. And I remember my punishment was to clean out the old microwave, all because of a compromise, now, compromise is good. Don't get me wrong, okay? Compromise is good for, like, I don't know, international debates. It's good for marriage. It's good in some business relations. But it's not good when it comes to your faith. Because God won't compromise with that. He basically says, I want it all or nothing. You're going to give me everything you got or I don't want anything at all. You can't compromise with that. But you live in a culture right now that's quite the opposite. They're trying to sell you on this lie. They're trying to sell you on a lie. They're trying to tell you things like, homosexuality isn't a sin, it's just an alternative lifestyle. They're trying to tell you things like people who commit, you know, big crimes and who, uh, or people who make bad decisions, they're not, they're not bad people, they're just a victim of their own society. They're trying to tell you God isn't real. And they're trying to tell you that Satan is just a, a you know, sly-looking guy with a pitchfork and a good smile. And if you don't believe me, Check out CBS, look at Fox, and see what the number one shows are right now on those two channels. I believe the channel is, uh, the word is Lucifer, and the other one is Angel from Hell. They're trying to soften you as to what the devil actually is, what Satan actually is. 
And, you know, it, it, we're talking about the 13, you know, right now, 13, and we're talking about 1 Corinthians, talking about the church of Corinth. So it's, I'm going to give you a little bit more of the church of Corinth. I can't quite do it like Mr. DeFazio did because he's like the Yoda of it. It's amazing. Okay? But um, they were new in their faith in a way, but I'm not talking about they were just now baptized or just dunked. Basically, what I'm saying is that they were new, but they were still trying to find out how to live this life. They're still trying to figure out what this thing of Christianity is all about. So, they uh, basically, they were still doing a little bit, they were calling themselves Christians, but they were still practicing this thing called idolatry, okay? And if you don't know what idolatry is, let me kind of make it the, the layman's term for you. It's where you spend more time working towards something else or giving attention to something else other than your attention to God. We'll come back to that a little bit later. So really, uh, Paul gets this, uh, this qu- list of questions, and really what the two questions came down to was, what can we do and what can we not do? Um, an even better way of saying it was, how much of my old life do I have to give up if I still want to be called a Christian? How much of that do I have to give up? So really, he's, they're saying, how close to sin can I get before it's actually a sin? Here, let me put it into a fifth through eighth grade boy terms. That's like you going up to your leader and saying, hey, I got a very, very inappropriate Snapchat, but I didn't screenshot it. Am I Okay. Or, hey, I have this song on my iPod, it's, it's Lil Wayne, it's terrible, it's full of explicit lyrics, but I'm not going to listen to it at church. Is that cool? Is that giving up enough that I don't listen to it here? And really, that's, that's, that's not the case, because in 1 Corinthians 10, 21, he says, you'll find where it says that you cannot be, you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons. You cannot be a guest at the table of the Lord and a guest at the table of demons. You have to make a choice. You can't have it both ways. You physically can't sit at two tables at the same time. That's not possible. You you can't walk that fence, okay? And what I'm talking about when I say walk that fence, you can't be on the fence. You can't have one foot in the world trying to make the world happy and have one foot in the kingdom of God and try to make them happy because they're going to be pulled both ways. And when you get pulled both ways as a dude, ow, ow, That's bad juju, okay? You have to make a decision, and you have to do one or the other. You have to separate from one, and you have to pick which one you're going to separate from. So, like I said, you can't have it both ways. In James 3, verses 10 through 12, it says, Out of the same mouth come blessings and curses. My brothers, this cannot be. A spring cannot produce both salt water and fresh water. An olive tree cannot produce figs, and a fig tree cannot produce olives. What he's saying there is you can't claim to be something, but the evidence that's produced shows that that's not what you are. It's saying, you know, an olive tree, you can't be an olive tree if you're making figs, and you can't be a fig tree if you're making olives, okay? Let me, here, let me explain it to you this way. That's like me looking at you guys and saying, hey, <laughs> I'm a really good singer, okay? I can sing. I can really sing. And when it comes down to the evidence, and I start to sing, don't stop believing, hold on to the feeling. Okay, now, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, see? Oh, thank you. Now, as you can tell... When I produce my evidence that claims that I am a good singer, it's quite the opposite. You know that I am actually giving you something that's false. 
So that's okay, though, because really I'm just telling you that I'm a good singer, right? That has no bearing really on my life. But how about this? Let me ask you a question. So are you a Christian? Because when you're sitting here, you claim, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian. That's what I do. I'm a Christian, guys. But here's the deal. I, you know, I get to see a lot of you on a daily basis and some of you on an on a every other day basis. And some of you, you claim to be that Christian. And some of you, I don't get to see. I guarantee you do some of the same thing because I used to do it when I was your age too. You say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But as you walk out the door, you drop your faith at the door like it's something to be stored here at Christ Church of Oronogo in a safe little cubby. That way next Wednesday when you come back, you can claim to be the Christian again that you said. You can't claim to be it if your evidence doesn't back that up. Perfect example of this, guys, of, of, of coming of the, out of the same mouth can blessings and curses, they can't come out of the same mouth. Let me explain it to you this way. Those, the, the tongue that's in your mouth that you were just using to sing praises and worship to your king, they cannot be the same tongue that makes fun of a kid with a speech impediment in the hallway. Those... Uh, eyes that you use to read the Bible and to read the scriptures that were up on the screen up there, they can't be the same eyes that are going to lead you to a pornographic website for self-indulgence. They can't do that. I see some of y'all laughing, and the thing is, you think I'm joking, I'm not. It's the truth. You can't be both ways. You can't pick, you can't just say, oh, I'm a Christian on Wednesday nights, but my eyes are going to lead me somewhere else. It's not a funny matter. The truth is the truth. And then you think about those hands that you're going to later on help us make kingdom worker stuff with. Those, king, those same hands can't be the ones sending inappropriate texts or inappropriate Snapchats or whatever social media site that you want to bring some other people down with because it won't make sense. Because out of the same mouth, like I said, out of the same mouth, blessings and curses cannot come. So it really comes down to this thing we were talking about earlier. I referenced it earlier when I talked to you guys about idolatry. Let me refer to that again. It's where you actually spend more time working towards something else or or something or giving your attention or devotion to something than you do your own time with God. And so that really begs the question, what is your idol? I mean, in your age, what is it? Is it your Facebook? Is Is it your Xbox? Is it your phone? Because you're going to have to find out what that is. And the good news is, is that Paul tells us what we should do there. In 1 Corinthians, it says, my brothers, flee from idolatry. It doesn't say casually avoid. It doesn't say get close but don't touch. It doesn't say as long as you're not within you know, a, a two-foot radius, you're okay. No, it says to flee. And the definition of the word flee means to put as much space between you and whatever it is you're fleeing from. And that idolatry is sin. So he's saying you put as much distance as you possibly can between sin and you. And that really reminds me, okay, it reminds me of this story. When I was growing up, on the corner of this road that I lived on, there was this dog, and we referred to him as Jaws, okay? That is almost identical to what I swear, except there's a little bit more drool, okay? Jaws lived on the corner, and I lived at the top of this hill, and we could ride down the hill, and you can go right or left, and the road was just fine. As long as you stayed on the road that was marked for you, everything was great. But of course, I was a young, you know, 12 to 13, 14-year-old boy, and I didn't know better. Yeah, I did. Anyway, so me and my three friends would try to see how far into this old man's yard we could get before Jaws would get to the end of his chain and bite at us. And he'd always miss. So we're going down the hill one day. And I look back at my friends. I'm like, yeah, yeah let's do this. <laughs> so we're cooking down the hill. I get, I'm first in line. I pull off the road. I go through the gravel. I'm right in the old man's yard. Here comes Jaws right on time. He is, he's barking. He's got his teeth going. He's slobbering. He gets right to the end of his chain and ha, just barely misses me. 
I'm like, ha <laughs> dog. I keep on going. My second friend gets by. We're both giggling. All of a sudden, we look back, and my third friend has got Jaws latched onto the back of his calf, and he's laying on the ground, and Jaws is ripping and tearing at his flesh. The old man runs out of the house. We drop our bikes. We run over there. I'm, I'm hitting the thing with a stick, trying to get him out of there. We took an act of God to get this dog off of my friend. And if you think about it, aren't you doing the same thing? Seeing how close you can get to sin without sin actually biting you? Because I'm going to tell you right now, you keep flirting with it, you keep flirting with it, it's going to bite you. It's going to latch onto you, and it's going to rip and tear at your flesh, and it will take an act of God to get that off of you. That's just how it is. So, which, what do we have to do? We have to separate ourselves. Okay? We have to separate from these situations. You know, and if you've already seen it, what I mean by separate is you have to remove yourself from those, from those, from those temptations. And you know what? It's not going to be easy. And it's not going to be one of those things that you're going to be able to do and just maybe take no persecution for it. And if you're already being persecuted for that, fine. If that's you, if you're stepping, if you say, guys, I can't do this because of my faith, that's okay. And if they make fun of you, they call you a do-gooder, you know, they call you goody two-shoes, mom, dad, whatever, who cares? Because Matthew 5.10, you know what it says? It says that those who are persecuted because of, their, uh, uh, because of their righteousness will inherit the kingdom of God. Go ahead. Separate yourself. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you separate and you say things like, guys, I can't do that. That's against my religious beliefs. That's against, that's against what God would want us to do. There's somebody else in that group with you who's thinking the same thing, but they might not have the guts to be the one who says it. And as soon as you open your mouth and say, hey, that's, that's not me, they'll come with you. The more you comes with you, the more that come with you, it gets easier. And when you separate together, Ecclesiastes says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And when you separate together as that group, it gets so much easier to stand up for your faith. So what we're talking about doing there is you separate yourself from these situations. Separate together. Because I'm going to tell you right now, guys, we talked about this, how you cannot be you cannot be a guest at the table of demons and the table of the Lord. You're going to have to start making a reservation at one of them. You're going to have to start making your reservation at either the table of the Lord or you're going to start making your reservation at the table of demons. You can't put your foot over here and say, I'm going my, my, to make my reservation here at the table of demons, but I want one here at the table of the Lord. You can't do it. It's not possible because one of these days that decision is going to come down and they're going to find out exactly where your, where your reservation was made. The good news is, is that you are the one who gets to make that decision. You're the one who gets to make that. You're the one who gets to make that call and say, you know what? I'm going to separate. I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm going to make my reservation at the table of the Lord because that's where I want to be eventually. Let's pray it out, guys. Lord, I thank you so much for bringing these guys here. I thank you so much for just what you're doing in their lives, Lord, bringing them here on a Wednesday night to be able to grow in your name, Lord. I pray that you give them strength, Lord. I pray that you be with them because they live in a world, Lord, that is trying to tear them down. It is not easy to be a young man in this world today. It is not easy to be in their shoes, Lord. So please, I, pray, I just pray for you to give them strength. They know right from wrong, Lord. Allow for them to be able to act on that and separate themselves from those situations. And separate together, Lord, and be that positive influences in their schools, on their teams, in their families, and wherever they are. To be that positive influence that separates together. 
to make a positive impact to further your kingdom. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. God is calling us to something bigger than ourselves. And Nathan's right. He's calling us to separate from the world, separate from sin, and he's calling us to do that together. Because when we do something together, we're a lot stronger. God's going to use us to do amazing and powerful things. But you need to allow him to do that. And me and Nathan can sit up here and talk to you guys about what it's like and what it used to be like. But I wanted to ask one of you guys about what it's actually like. And so I'm going to invite my friend Bailey up here. Bailey, come on up. And I'm going to ask him a couple of questions about what this actually looks like um, in your all's life. Someone, someone your age or not too much older than you. And so, Bailey, I just want to talk to you a little bit um, about what it looks like to separate together. I've got a few questions for you. Are you cool with that? Yeah. Sweet. Okay, so you guys, this is real life information for you. So, Bailey, you ready? Yeah. Okay. First question. What are some of the biggest struggles that guys deal with, and how do they affect our lives? Uh, some of the biggest struggles that we deal with is like, um, Mr. Holstein covered a lot of it tonight, is that we want to live both lives. We want to live with the world. We want to do what everyone says, but we also want to call ourselves a Christian. I mean, everyone struggles with it. We all want to be with the world, but even though we know it's the wrong choice, we just still do it because it's the fun way. It's the easy way instead of following Christ, which is harder. Even in the Bible, it says it's harder. It isn't always going to be easy for us. But that's one of the things that we struggle with. Another thing is um, we struggle with saying how we are a Christian, but in the meantime, we are still not doing some of the things we should be doing, we should be saying, and giving in to peer pressure with our friends just because we want to be with that group. But we know we need to be separated from them, but we still think they're our friends, they're cool with us, but really they're just dragging us down farther. So I know it's... I know it was difficult for me um, to follow Jesus in school, and I know that hasn't changed. And in some ways, I believe that it's continuing to get harder and harder. And so what, what is it like to follow Jesus at your school? Um, what it's like is that even though with, when you're with all your friends, that sometimes they do the wrong thing, and you sometimes fall because no one's perfect. Uh, we all make bad decisions, but... We have to just separate ourselves with it. And it's just hard to see when our friends is doing the wrong thing, but we can't be there with them or they're just not listening to us. So the last question I have for you, Bailey, is what would it actually look like if you and your buddies, a lot of them sitting over there right now, if you and your buddies here at church actually put into practice what the things that Nathan talks about or even the things that you talk about in small group um, in your connection groups on a Wednesday night, what would that look like if you actually did those things in your lives? It would actually look like a chain reaction. Just if you start as a little group and then other people start to notice and then they start wondering why are they acting different and then they start joining and then they act different, just gets bigger and bigger and bigger to where you're helping out everyone and then the school starts to notice and saying, what makes them so different? Why do they act like this? So then they start asking 
why why do you do this? Why do you help the kid in the hallway that no one likes, the kid who always gets picked on? Why do you help him? Why are you there with him? And then that's your moment where you when you can share Jesus Christ with them. You can actually say, it's because Jesus Christ has came into my life and changed me and made me want to help other people. Yeah, that's great. Guys, uh, give Bailey a round of applause. Thank you, Bailey. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.